Welcome to another edition of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the award-winning show covering fishing, hunting, conservation, destinations, and other outdoors recreation across the greater Northwest. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lur, Sportsman's Warehouse, Sina Sea Seafood, and Wallowa County Chamber of Commerce in the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. And now, let's see what's happening this week with your host, John Cruz. Welcome aboard. I've got to ask, where did the time go? How did Thanksgiving sneak up on us so fast? Maybe it's a little early this year. I know that it is always the fourth Thursday of the month, but it just seems like the holidays have completely snuck up on me. And of course, right after Thanksgiving is Black Friday, and I hope you will check out the wares that our sponsor, Sportsman's Warehouse, has to offer because they're going to have some great deals on Black Friday, including some doorbusters you're not going to want to miss out on. This is also a time of year that often offers some very good fishing and hunting. Believe it or not, several states are still stocking trout in lakes and rivers, and now is a great time to go after them. The steelhead returns have been decent up the Columbian Snake Rivers, and this would actually be a very good time to go to some places like the Amnaha or the Grand Ronde or the Wallawa River to do a little bit of steelhead fishing. Meanwhile, in Washington State, the Department of Fish and Wildlife has stocked a number of lakes all over the state with trout, some of them, some really big trout too, including some steelhead up to 10 pounds. That makes for a fun Black Friday. And if you'd rather go hunting than fishing, well, upland bird season is in full swing. Haven't been seeing too many roosters where I'm living in either of my friends, but certainly seeing quite a few quail, and that's always a fun thing to go after. If you really want a cardio workout to work off the Thanksgiving Day meal, try chucker hunting. Trust me, that'll help. And then there's the waterfowl. Yes, the northerns are coming down in waves and the hunting, especially if you get some good stormy weather, can be really good this time of year. We're going to be sharing some harvest reports with you this week from Montana and Washington and Oregon. And we're going to talk to Roger Phillips again with the Idaho Department of Fish and Game. Yes, I know we just had him on a couple of weeks ago, but he's got a lot more information regarding fishing and hunting and conservation I think you're going to want to hear about. Another guest we'll have on from Idaho, that would be Rex King. He is the chef in the wild. He has a monthly column in Northwest Sportsman Magazine, and he is a true gourmet chef. I'll tell you what. He's also an avid hunter, so we'll catch up with Rex about how his hunting season has gone so far. And then we're going to broach the subject of duck. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But Rex is going to help you cook it up right. Finally, we'll get a chance to chat with Doug St. Denis. He is a fishing guide based in northwest Washington. And, well, he'll be happy to take you out for coho salmon this time of year. He also would love to take you bass fishing. And believe it or not, you can still catch bass this time of year throughout the entire northwest. You've just got to change things up a little bit. And Doug's going to tell you exactly how to do that. Throw in our Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, and as always, we've got a great show coming your way. So let's kick things off, as we always do, with another edition of Sportsman Spotlight with David Sparks, brought to you every week by the Ag Information Network of the West. A fun conversation with retired fish and wildlife biologist Ted Cook as he reflected back on his colleague, Ed Bangs, who made a huge splash many years ago as the Wolf Recovery Coordinator for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Wolves are an interesting thing. One of my earliest assignments as an endangered species biologist, young wet behind the ears, was to be the Idaho Wolf Recovery Project leader when we reintroduced wolves to Idaho. It was interesting. My friend Carter Niemeyer, some folks may know his name, he's written a fairly popular book on his experiences called Wolfer. When I first came into the wolf world, he said, Ted, welcome to the wolf ego system. (laughs) 
and I mean ecosystem. My experience as a 30 years as an endangered species biologist is the kind of folks that get involved with working on wolves work on wolves because they love wolves. That was not me. I loved biology. I love all species. I love elk, deer, wolves, trout. I love butterflies. You name it. I love it, including wolves and grizzly bears. No more or less so than anything else. And so Ed, I think, was similar to that. Suffice to say, I was really not interested in being a member of the wolf ecosystem. In fact, after we reintroduced wolves, I got out of it and looked for other assignments because there's a human element that feels kind of like babysitting, you know, where you got folks who are super wrapped up. They either think wolves are a deity or a devil, and that's really not my thing. I'm more interested in biology. But Ed was the one who made it happen. Without Ed, it would not have happened. He had an incredible focus and drive and set of leadership skills that navigated through obtaining international permits and working through the State Department and working with states and the logistics of it all. The Ag Information Network, covering over half of the nation's potato acres and a third of the nation's wheat. We've been bringing news and information to these Pacific Northwest producers for 40 years on 73 radio stations. With the large amount of farmland that our network covers, our region's farmers are on the go, tuning in behind the wheel of a truck or tractor. The Ag Information Network, trusted and transparent journalism lasting for the next generation. For over 40 years, the Ag Information Network has been providing news and information for the most important industry in the world, agriculture. The Ag Information Network gives you worldwide updates from local producers to regional organizations, from major crops like wheat and corn to animal agriculture to specialty crops like apples, almonds, and cherries. We report on stories that mean the most to you. Online at aginfo.net, the Ag Information Network, trusted and transparent journalism lasting for the next generation. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. If your favorite season is deer, if your favorite salad is meat salad, if your favorite gifts come wrapped in fur or scales, if you're dreaming of a white and camo Christmas, then you'd fit right in at Sportsman's Warehouse. And lucky for you, Sportsman's is offering amazing deals all season long. So visit your local store or go online to sportsmans.com and gear up for an unforgettable holiday. Public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. And guess what? We've got Roger Phillips, the public information supervisor for the Idaho Department of Fish and Game, back on the line again. And, you know, usually we do a monthly check-in, but we just had him on a couple weeks ago, but they've got a lot more information they need to put out. Roger, welcome back to the show. Thank you, John. Great to be here as always. So I think the first thing we need to cover is the fact that chronic wasting disease has popped up in another area of Idaho. Tell our listeners more about this. Yeah, it popped up in Unit 32A in the New Meadows area, roughly seven miles south of New Meadows, which puts it about 50 miles from that Slate Creek area where we originally detected it. Not a complete surprise, but at the same time disappointing. But at the same time, this is why we test for it. And the one thing that we're asking folks is if you're still hunting in Unit 32A or adjacent units, if people can have animals tested, that really helps us out. We're in kind of fact-finding mode to figure out what we do next, how much might be out there. 
how many animals might be infected with it, whether this is a one-off, which we would never know. And so, like I say, we're kind of in the fact-finding stage of this and, you know, just hoping hunters can help us out with that. What part of the state is New Meadows located in? It's up in that kind of more mountainous area. It's just about 10 miles from McCall. It's probably at about 4,000 feet elevation, kind of getting back up into the timber. Much different than what we have in Unit 14, which is a lower elevation area. We have more resident animals in that Unit 14 Slate Creek area. So this is more migratory mule deer country, which makes us a little concerned because we know from radio telemetry that animals that summer and are in that area in the fall migrate into several different areas during uh, winter. So, yeah, we're, we're a little concerned there, but we're going to keep our eyes open and see what we can learn. I have heard that chronic wasting disease cannot be passed on to humans, but I have also heard that if you harvest an animal exhibiting symptoms of CWD, you shouldn't eat it. What's the deal there? Well, good question. Obviously, CWD has been out there for a long time. There is no known cases of it ever infecting a human, but the Centers for Disease Control recommends that people who have an animal that has tested positive for CWD not consume it. I assume that's a precautionary measure. You know, that's not our field of expertise, but that's what we relay to folks, that that's what the CDC says, and they can kind of make their own decision there. Well, there you go. Don't eat CWD-infected deer. Moving on to uh, deer and elk. This is the time of year where they're in the rut, and they're acting stupid, and they're wandering around on the roads, aren't they? Yes. Fall is one of the you know migratory times of year when they are moving down into those winter ranges in a lot of areas through, throughout the West, just not just in Idaho. And our days are a little shorter. And so we ask folks that are really be mindful of that when they're you know traveling in, in deer country and elk country, which is most of Idaho and lots of places in the West, especially you know early mornings and evenings when those things are harder to see and a little more active. So yeah, just keep your eyes open, you know, because we don't obviously don't want deer and elk hit, and we don't want people injured. Those can be very expensive and potentially hazardous collisions. So keep your eyes out, slow down a little bit, and be careful out there. You know, Idaho has done some pretty good work, though, in terms of constructing some animal crossings under roadways. I don't know if you've done them above roadways as well, but that's definitely helped reduce the mortality when it comes to vehicle and deer collisions. Yeah, interesting you mentioned that one because we just finished our first wildlife overpass here near Boise, and the structure itself is up. All the fencing isn't up, but we already see some tracks on it. So, you know, animals are using it, but we're also seeing some on the highway still as well. So it's going to take a little while for those animals to figure that one out, but we're certainly encouraged and excited to have that. Let's talk about uh, late fall, winter stream fishing opportunities. I understand you're going to be fishing the Boise River this weekend. What are you fishing for there, and what are some other streams people ought to consider this time of year? You know, I'm out for trout and whitefish, and I really enjoy this time of year before it gets too frigidly cold and icy. But, you know, those rivers are down at lower levels. There tends to be fewer people out there, and we are talking about a cold-water fish. So they're certainly active in feeding. They're they're going to be a little more concentrated in certain areas. And, you know, when you can go out there and, and find a few fish this time of year and you got the fall colors and some, you know, pretty weightable rivers, it's an awful lot of fun. And basically any trout river is, you know, in Idaho is usually open this time of year for fishing and people need to check the regs on that. But, you know, lots of opportunities out there. 
Now, when it comes to fishing for whitefish and trout on the Boise River or some of these other streams, are you a fly fisherman or are you fishing spinners? I'm a fly fisherman, and I like to get down there on the bottom and just kind of dredge for those things. I, I have this weird thing about nymph fishing. I just think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Shifting gears to waterfowl hunting. Winchester Lake, where is that located at? And tell me about some new opportunities there. Yeah, that's kind of in the Grangeville area. We've got a state park in there, and uh, apparently some of the park managers there, in cooperation with us, have uh, decided they have plenty of goose poop on their docks and grassy areas and things like that, so they've opened that area up to some very limited waterfowl hunting. People can sign up for blinds, and we've had our first few hunts in there. We're gonna. This is kind of on a trial basis, but it's a hunting opportunity, and it's also opportunity to thin out some of those birds that can be kind of a nuisance. You know, I've been to Winchester Lake before the summer months, and it's a forested lake. It's not the sort of lake you associate with waterfowl hunting. Yeah, and like I say, this this is kind of new for us, and so we're kind of feeling our way through it, and it's pretty well controlled, but the nice thing about that is, you know, you get signed up for a blind or a place to hunt, you know, you know you're going to be the only person there. All right. And last but not least, Idaho's largemouth bass record has stood for 75 years, and there's been some debate over whether or not it really was the record, but it turns out somebody's done some research, and it is. Tell our listeners more. Yeah, we had some folks who do a podcast really do a deep dive on that one. And credit to them, because it's really fascinating, and they took an hour to tell this story. So I'm going to truncate it here just a little bit. But it was a woman who held the bass record, and they discovered it through Field and Stream magazine, because she also entered that bass into a, you know, biggest fish of the year contest. And that's kind of how we got some details on it. It wasn't even under her name, which was fairly common in that era. It was under her husband's name, but Mrs. Taylor. But we didn't have a whole lot of details on it. These guys went back and learned a bunch of things, and well, some of our staff. And we really got to round out that picture and found out that, yes, it is a legitimate record. And she was not just went out one day and got lucky. She had a reputation. She was a really solid angler. She caught other big bass and entered contests and things like that. So it's a really fascinating story and kind of a time capsule moment where you can kind of see the evolution of angling and kind of socially and how this thing ended up being such sketchy information, but has stood up this long. How can folks listen to this podcast? What's the name of the podcast and where can folks find it? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't have it off the top of my head, but I do know it's on Outdoor Life's website right now. And that's where I found it. And I apologize to the folks who did that, that I'm not able to plug them directly. But yeah, they're on Outdoor Life's website. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up for the month of November with our monthly chat with the Idaho Department of Fish and Game. But Roger, always appreciate having you on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Well, thank you for helping us share our stories out there.
Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Located in the northeast corner of Oregon, Wallawa County offers a unique destination rich in natural beauty and outdoors recreation. Enjoy the clear waters of Wallawa Lake. Take a tram to the top of Mount Howard for million-dollar views. Hike or ride into the Eagle Cap Wilderness and fish or raft the Wallawa and Grand Ronde Rivers. It's all waiting for you in beautiful Wallawa County. Plan your visit today at WallawaCountyChamber.com. That's WallawaCountyChamber.com. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio and to an extended Max Minute, brought to you by Max Lur. With us again is Bob Loomis. Bob, Black Friday is coming up, and in Washington State, they do something very unique. They stock a whole bunch of lowland lakes with trout and encourage people to go fishing instead of shopping. If folks take them up, some trout this time of year. You know, catching trout this time of year is, is like anything else. You know, when, when you have that colder water to contend with, which means that fish are having to really hunt for food, going to larger presentations work very well. And product that we have, the Double Whammy Pro, is a great tool for that. It's basically made up with a couple of stack beads, which are high UV, a smile blade, which gives you not only the added attraction, but movement. You can rig it with a little bait. You can rig it with plastics. You can rig it with all sorts of stuff. But it works great because of that larger profile. And along with it, you know, using like a six-inch sling blade, uh, the sling blade works very, very well for faster trolling, which that's what you want to do when you're trout fishing. So using that six-inch sling blade for added attraction and then movement on the lure works absolutely fantastic for picking up these early winter trout. we got about 10 seconds left. For what about the anglers who are fishing from shore? What can they use? You know what? And using a Promise Keeper, especially the quarter ounce, using that larger profile, same thing. Works fantastic for trout this time of the year. Well, if you're trolling, try the Double Whammy Pro along with a sling blade. And if you're casting from shore, the Promise Keeper is definitely going to keep its promise of helping you catch fish. Find both products at sporting goods stores near you or online anytime at maxlure.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter, full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. You'll find it all at Sportsman's Warehouse. Better still, the knowledgeable staff can help you with tips to help you bag a trophy or a limit. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com. 
Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning into 69 stations in seven states. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. A sharp blade makes short work of any project you have in the outdoors, in the kitchen, or in the shop. Hone your knives and tools with quality power and manual sharpeners from WorkSharp. Find out more at WorkSharpTools.com. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. We are checking in with Randy King. He's the chef in the wild. He writes a monthly column for Northwest Sportsman Magazine, and he is quite the chef indeed. Randy, great to have you back on the air. Always good to be back. Thanks for having me. So I want to talk a little bit about cooking up waterfowl, and that's actually the subject of your monthly column. But before we get there, let's catch up with you in terms of what's been going on with you this hunting season so far. So far, archery season was an exercise in frustration, in a good way. You know, hearing lots of elk bugle at me is always fun. It'd be a lot nicer to see than about 30 yards standing broadside with a bow in my hand. (laughs) That would have been, you know, ideal. That did not happen. I had a good year with rifle. We call it my third biggest year ever. Just put in some time and some effort, and it said I gained 219 flights of stairs on my little tracker app that day. So I got a deer in the freezer, and I've got a couple more tags to go with my kids for the rest of November. We got about two more weeks left to hunt with a couple of the tags we got. So we are looking to have more than a one deer season. We eat a lot of meat around here, and one deer is it isn't going to cut it. We're going to start doing a desperate things, or if not desperate things, working a little harder than we normally have to for some doe tags coming up. So you live near Boise, Idaho. Understand that that you and your son recently went to the University of Idaho for a visit there where you may be going to college. And you did some deer hunting along the way there. How'd that go? It was awesome as far as you get to see some great country. But we have mostly mule deer here in southwest Idaho. So we hunt a lot of the Waikiki Mountains. So exposing my son who had the tag to what it's like and the frustration of hunting whitetail was quite the experience for him. We met up with what would be his kind of uncle, and his uncle was explaining how he hunts whitetail for revenge um, (laughs) more than anything else, because how many times has he been busted and only just seen a whitetail puff through the air? He's like, now I try to to go after whitetail mostly out of revenge for those times I've been embarrassed by spooking them before they see me. Um, And so I thought that that was a a great way to talk about it. It's kind of like chucker. The first chucker you hunt for fun, every chucker after that is for revenge. I agree. Completely agree with that premise. All right. So your son didn't tag you out on a whitetail, but that's all right. A completely different topic here. I was on your Facebook page. You're in a band. You're in a punk rock band. Tell me about this. Hey, look, we only got one life, right? And so I've always been a musician and kind of uh, in that proclivity to just kind of experiment. So during COVID... I um, was doing the writing thing, and my my job was pretty travel extensive pre-COVID. And then all of a sudden, I am not traveling, and I am at home, and I always wanted to own a recording studio. So I went and built one in my garage. You know, I just said, honey, don't look at Amazon for a while, and I went and built a recording studio. And then my wife was like, you're recording all these other bands. When are you going to make a band? And I was like, well, I'm not. Ha, ha, ha. 
I was wrong. She was right. I started, you know, using the stuff on things that I had written and eventually uh, made myself a little band. And yeah, I have, you know, Hunt to Eat t-shirts and, you know, like Mule Deer Federation stuff on up on stage talking about um, and then I'm singing in a punk rock band. So it's really fun, man. It, it just speaks to you get old when you stop doing stuff. And so I'm trying not to, frankly. I just want to make sure that I, I have this cup as full as I possibly can get it. What's the name of the band, and, and where's your next appearance? So the name of the band is Whiskey Mountain. Our next appearance that people will probably be able to watch is February 17th at the Vista Bar in Boise, Idaho. We will be playing January 27th in Salt Lake City and January 26th in Twin Falls, Idaho. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. All right. Let's turn our attention to cooking up ducks. And I'll tell you, I run across so many people who tell me they don't like ducks. It's gamey. They don't like the taste. And I tell them, we're eating them after they've been frozen or we're eating them fresh. And nine times out of ten, they're telling me they've eaten them after they've been frozen. And I'm saying, you're doing it the wrong way. What say you? So... Frozen versus not frozen, to me, it's more about care and approach, right? So not everything is going to taste like chicken. you got to kind of, as a person that eats wild game, you just got to accept that. The duck is going to taste ducky a little bit, right? So you've got kind of two different approaches, in my opinion. You can take a duck and say, hey, I accept that it's not going to taste like chicken, and I'm going to kind of embrace that and, and utilize it. And then you might end up with a livery duck, because that duck can be 15, 20 years old. You don't know on the wing how old the duck is, right? Like, I'm pretty sure I would taste worse if you cooked me than somebody <laughs> that was 30 years younger than me, right? That's just how age happens, right? So since we can't age ducks on the wing, what I, I tell people to do is you can overpower it or you can reduce that livery flavor, right? So a lot of that comes from just age and from kind of leftover stuff in, inside of the muscle. So you can do a couple of things there. You can overpower it. You can do sauces and things that kind of take over for the duck, like uh, think like Asian-y style things, like a peanut sauce or, or a good soy-heavy sort of thing where you fry it and you dip it in some plum sauce or something. Something that kind of overpowers the duck. Or you can take a little bit of that flavor profile out of it and things like soaking it sometimes will do that, but making sure you pat it dry, you can remove some of that blood and a little bit of the things that are giving it that livery flavor. But with enough garlic and plum sauce on duck, it is delicious no matter how, how livery it tastes. You know, what I found is most people overcook duck, and that's uh, why they don't like it. And, and I'm always telling people, cut them up into small pieces and just literally one minute each side max, and you're going to have some great tasting duck. So there's a good way. I like what you're saying here, and I appreciate you bringing me around to that. I will take the duck. I will actually pluck the breast, right, and leave that fat content on the breast meat itself, right? Then you're going to have, basically, it's going to be a weirdly shaped triangle, okay? Hank Shaw actually taught me this trick. It was a really interesting one. But you, you sear that plucked fatty side first, right? And that side goes down, and you wait till that side gets crispy, right? Then you take it and you tilt it, and there's going to be that side where the wing attaches. It's going to be the biggest fat or the, the thickest part of the breast meat. It's going to how they're going to make like a, that lobe shape. It's the thickest part of the lobe. Then you're going to sear that side. Then you're going to flip it over just for another minute or so on the other side. But you want your duck breast specifically to be medium rare, right? You don't want 
well done duck breast. You don't want finger steaks that are cut and fried for three minutes and gray on the inside. That is not going to be very good. That's really going to accentuate those flavors that people are saying that they don't like in the first place. So, so that medium rareness, I find to kind of be the, the sweet spot on most duck, essentially. So, But then when you have the rest of the duck, everybody talks about the breast meat, breast meat, breast meat. I like it medium rare. But you've got the whole rest of the duck, though. That's the stuff that if you cook for a fair bit, like do a confit with the legs or throw the legs in the crock pot with some you know, soy sauce and some garlic and some ginger until it's shreddy, shredded and falls apart on you and you just pull the bones out. Those, for me, are some of the best meat on the animal because you can use it. It's so, so versatile and so many people waste it. I just find it such a... Such a hard thing to see people just go breast out ducks and then just toss the rest of it. So the duck has a whole lot of goodness on them. Their livers are actually really good. You can cut apart their um, their gizzards and, and go in for those. Duck hearts are delicious. So the duck has is just literally just a walk-in piece of deliciousness. There you go. Or flying, probably. <laughs> Depends duck. on the day. It is not foul tasting. It is actually very <laughs> good if you cook it up right. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Well done. Dad joke of the day points go to you, John. Thank you so much. It's Randy King, folks. He's a chef in the wild. Check out his monthly column in Northwest Sportsman Magazine. Randy, always a pleasure, sir, to have you on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Hey, man, it's always fun to be here. Thank you so much. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? That's right. You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning in to 69 stations in seven states. If you have a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts, this is the platform for you, and you're going to find it's much more affordable than you think. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com, and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. More habitat equals more wildlife. Pheasants Forever is working hard every day to ensure there's more wildlife habitat for the future. Join the habitat leader and help create wildlife habitat in your community. To join us, go to pheasantsforever.org. I'm going to take you fishing, honey. You're going to love it. Going to get up before the sun. Rise above us. Next up, we've got Doug St. Denis on the line. He's the owner of 365 Charters, LLC, out of the Lake Stevens, Monroe, Washington area. Doug, great to have you back on the air. Always a pleasure, John. Now, I know you've been busy fishing for coho salmon, but you also offer guided bass fishing in western Washington and bass angling instruction. And I've got to ask, it's November. Is bass fishing still a thing here in the Pacific Northwest? It is. I mean, listen, anywhere that you're going to have bass, you can catch them right through the winter. Folks do it all over the country year-round. And so I would just say that this is the time that you're going to get really, really good at finesse techniques and drop shotting because your presentation has 
to be uber slow, and you really have to rely on your electronics to find those fish. So here's a question for you. Are the bass at this time of year, during the month of November, are they coming up shallow in the afternoons to get the warmth of the rocks and uh, the shallow water, or are they staying relatively deep this time of year as the thermocline breaks down? I think you're really going to see them staying relatively deep. Uh, It is not uncommon, and hold on to it, not uncommon to find these bass schooled up in 45 feet of water. And that's both largemouth and smallmouth? Largemouth and smallmouth. I mean, if we get a shot of weather, say a week stretch, and it's not uncommon in the winter, you know, we get some really nice weather and that sun's beating down and it heats up a shallow pocket of water, it's not uncommon to see some fish move up into there to warm up. But in my experience, those fish do not react very well to baits being thrown at them. You're better off targeting them at deeper depths. All right, so we're going to drop shot what? Grubs or worms or tube baits? Yes, I want to go really finesse. So Berkeley has some really finesse minnows. They're like an inch and three quarter, two inches at the max, and they're really finesse. And you want to put them on a really small drop shot hook. A number one is perfect for this type of situation, and you want to nose hook it. And when I say you want to slow this presentation down, typically when I drop shot, I may put action on that rod about every 7 to 10 seconds. In this case, in the winter, I may only put action on that rod every 30 seconds. So that bait is going to sit as long as I can. If I'm marking fish, the bait's going to sit, and about every 30 seconds, I'm just going to tickle that rod tip to get a reaction strike from those bass. Well, there you go, folks. Bass fishing, it's still a thing in November and even December. Just got to slow it down, use those electronics, and be patient. What's the website and Facebook page folks should go to if they want to book a trip with you, Doug? The best way to find me on the on my website is 365charters.com. And on Facebook, they can find me at Ridge to River Outdoors and 365charters.com. That's Doug St. Denis, folks. Book a trip with them. You'll enjoy it, and you'll learn a lot. Thanks, as always, Doug. Thank you very much, John. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Cena Sea Seafood. And with the holidays approaching, you can't go wrong getting premium, wild-caught Alaskan seafood that is delivered to your doorstep in meal-sized portions and serving it up during a holiday get-together. Think about it. Instead of ham or turkey, do halibut or salmon. Buy some of their delicious spreads to put on crackers or bagels. Maybe get some delicious Big spot shrimp or crab cakes. As a matter of fact, get them all. Make it a feast. You're going to absolutely love it. Again, the website to go to is Cena C. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SenaC.com. And be sure to use the promo code Outdoors Radio for 10% off your entire order. All right, continuing with outdoors news, I can tell you that the northern birds have arrived in the Pacific Northwest. Out where I live in the Columbia Basin near Mardon Resort, I've been talking to hunters who are reporting some very good days, harvesting mallards, pintail, and widgeon, and a whole bunch of snow geese and Canada geese have come in too. Places to hunt include nearby fields or Potholes Reservoir, or you can hunt along the Winchester or Frenchman's Wasteway. All are offering some good opportunities right now. And further north, the Gloyd Seeps Wildlife Area and the area around Stratford can also be good for waterfowl hunting. Heading to Oregon, 
Salvi Island Wildlife Area is kicking out some daily statistics from waterfowl hunters, and it looks like the northerns are arriving there too because hunters are averaging three ducks each as of late, which is pretty good hunting. Don't have updated figures from the other wildlife areas in Oregon, but Salvi Island, definitely worth checking out the harvest data there. They actually break it down by what blind even, so you can get a really good idea of what blind you want to shoot for when you go out there. Heading to Montana. Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks reports that we are the midway point for the general hunting season for deer and elk. As of November 7th, believe it or not, bears were still active. And some 4,600 hunters so far this year have visited check stations. And here's the results in northwest Montana. They've checked in 268 deer, which is down significantly from last year when 339 deer were harvested. They've checked in 34 mule deer, which is pretty close to last year, and 24 elk, also down from last year when 32 elk were checked in. If you do go to a check station in Montana or any other state, be sure to get your animal tested for chronic wasting disease. It's a fatal disease that infects members of the deer family to include elk, moose, mule deer, and white-tailed deer, and the CDC recommends not eating any CWD-infected deer, so it's a good reason to get your animal checked out when you harvest one. Heading north central Montana, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks says that hunters in this part of the state experience conditions more typical for this point of the season. And although hunter numbers visiting the Augusta check station remain below the 10-year average, hunter success remains good, especially regarding the elk harvest, which continues at a higher than average pace along the southern Rocky Mountain front. As of November 5th, just over 1,000 hunters have passed through the station since Montana's general rifle season began on October 20th. That number is slightly higher than the 929 hunters checked at this point last year. And the total harvest at this check station has been 144 mule and white-tailed deer, which is identical to the long-term average. Antlered bucks made up 63% of the total deer harvest so far. And like I said, the elk harvest continues to be above average with 127 elk checked in. That's more than a 75% increase over the harvest numbers of the past few years. So sounds like north central Montana may be the place to go, especially if you're after elk. Again, the season for elk and deer runs through November 26th, so you still got a little bit of time. And heading back to Washington State, a reminder that Black Friday is coming up later this week. And it's a great day to go fishing because the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife stocks a number of lakes around the state with trout and in some cases, excess hatchery steelhead. Some of the places that received good stockings include Beaver Lake in King County, which got a whole bunch of two and a half pound rainbow trout. Crest Lake in Cowlitz County has been getting several dozen steelhead, up to 10 pounds in size put in there. The Rock Island Pond, specifically Putters Pond and Big Bow Pond, between the two of them have nearly 9,500 fish that are stocked in there. These are all catchable size. And Roses Lake near Manson in north central Washington also received a huge stocking of catchable size fish, over 20,000 rainbows. You can find out some other lakes that are going to be stocked in the days ahead by going to wdfw.wa.gov. Look for the fishing page and then look for the fish stocking page and you'll find a lake near you that's probably got some trout in it. Stick around. We've got more of the great outdoors coming your way to include your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. You're going to love it. Going to get up before the sun. Rise above us. Got a bamboo pole and a leaky boat. It ain't much, but if you bail, it'll float. I'm going to take you fishing, honey. You're going to love it. 
Are you looking for a game changer to help you catch more trout, kokanee, and salmon? No problem. Just tie on Max Crip Lure, cast it, or troll it. Either way, its specially designed ring chamber emits a low-frequency vibration with its erratic movement. It will catch more fish and make them strike. Better still, the different colors for the lure can be matched to just about any fishery. Look for the Crip Lure from Max Lure Company at a sporting goods store near you or go online at maxlure.com. Come to Oregon's Wallowa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat in Enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallowa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning into 69 stations in seven states. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. If your favorite season is deer, if your favorite salad is meat salad, if your favorite gifts come wrapped in fur or scales, If you're dreaming of a white and camo Christmas, then you'd fit right in at Sportsman's Warehouse. And lucky for you, Sportsman's is offering amazing deals all season long. So visit your local store or go online to sportsmans.com and gear up for an unforgettable holiday. Natural wonders, beaches and coves, majestic forests and scenic vistas are waiting for you at the Tillamook Coast. Lace up your hiking boots, grab your camera and come to Northwest Oregon. Find out more at TillamookCoast.com. Before we go today, we've got time for one last shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with your host, John Cruz. I'm glad you're back, and I want you to know you don't have to wait for Black Friday to get in on the deals at your local Sports and Warehouse store because they've got a pre-Black Friday sale going on right now, and you can find some pretty darn good deals on everything from outdoors cooking equipment to optics, to apparel, to fishing gear, hunting gear, and more. So head on down today and see what they've got. And don't forget to check out the store flyers for the Black Friday event that's coming up later this week. It's going to be impressive. All right, it is now time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, and it's about the birds. Three species of birds I'm going to tell you about here. Two of them fly south out of the northwest during the winter, but one sticks around through the winter. Here's your choices. The turkey vulture, the osprey, and the northern harrier, also known as the marsh hawk. Two out of three leave and go south for the winter, but one of them sticks around. If you know which one does stick around, here's what you need to do. Go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com. Go to the Contact Us page and let us know. You can also just shoot me an email at john, J-O-H-N, at northwesternoutdoors.com and give me your answer that way, too. Again, your choices are, for the one bird that sticks around during the winter, is it the osprey, is it 
the turkey vulture, or is it the northern harrier, also known as the marsh hawk? One lucky person who guesses right wins that $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse. Again, the place you'll want to be on Black Friday. It's time to wrap things up, but with Thanksgiving coming up this week, I hope you are going to find some things to be thankful for in this world that seems to be torn apart with violence. Reflect on some of the peaceful things and surround yourself with those things. And one way to do that is to get yourself in nature. Go for a nice walk this week, maybe even on Thanksgiving Day. Soak in all that nature has to offer. I'm pretty sure if you do that instead of watching TV, you're going to feel a lot calmer. Stay away from the news and stay close to nature. It is good for your soul. Here's wishing you a happy Thanksgiving, a good Black Friday. And yes, I know you're going to do some shopping, but don't forget to do some fishing and maybe some hunting too. It's a really good time of year to do both. We're going to close out with one of my favorite songs from Frank Prenovost, Tomorrow is Yesterday. Until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. More of a lover and less of a fighter. I married up, settled down. Bought a little house just west of town I got kids of my own Man, they mean everything But time is one thing you can't stop No matter how you try You just take a deep breath And you close your eyes And another day goes by And before you know Tomorrow is yesterday Well I'll tag you, you tag me back Let's put pennies on a railroad track Fireflies in a mason jar Hide and see, there you are